everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello there. Hello there. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the uh, 2022 documentary that is on Netflix currently that came out in May called Our Father. It's 97 minutes long and it's a true crime documentary, obviously, because that's how we roll around here. After a woman's at-home DNA test reveals multiple half-siblings, she discovers a shocking scheme involving donor sperm and a popular fertility doctor. The director of this is Lucy Jordan, and uh, it stars a lot of the uh, offspring of this doctor who committed fertility fraud, and we would say rape, but others would disagree. Well, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the justice system looked at this during sentencing. Yeah, so let's just talk. Take the documentary. I thought it was good. It's a mix. It's one of the. It's one of those documentaries that is a mixed bag. In other words, they do uh, reenactments, mm-hmm. and then they have interviews with uh, real people that are involved. Right. Right. Yeah, no, I, I enjoyed it as well. And I was telling Shannon before we got started, I had the pleasure of knowing Lucy Jordan, who is a wonderful human and quite funny. She's oh, very funny. I love that. And so I did talk to her a little bit about this and let her know that we were going to do the show and, and wanted to get an idea of what gave her the inspiration to do this. And she said she had actually, there was a a level of perseverance that it took, which I imagine it it does for most documentaries that do well. But I guess she had been pushing this for about three years. And when she started, I think that there were, and I'm, I'm averaging the numbers right now, she went to whoever she was pitching it to and was like, we have, you know, we have 10 people that can step forward. They're like, yeah, that's not really interesting, you know? And then it went up to, you know, 25 and they're like, "Mm, Hmm. yeah, still not interested. And then it went up to 38 and, and she's like, guys, come on. Like, this is a story. And they're like, no, (laughs) not interested. And then finally (laughs) two years after pushing and the story, like realizing that this was going to be something, it was finally picked up. And I actually saw her last weekend and she said it's now up to, there's up to 118. Yeah. So that's, that's the news now. Cause I think this, this ends somewhere in the sixties or seventies, 70 people or something. Right. So, you know, looking at a couple years later or a year and a half later. And she said that, that they actually had hours upon hours of more footage, but they only allowed her to do the 90 minutes, the 90 minutes. Yeah. Well, and so those of you who may have not watched it, the, the, what Kathy's talking about is that there was a fertility doctor that used his own sperm and inseminated a, a lot of women with his own sperm to father. And what she's talking about is possibly 120 kids or what have you. And, and there's probably a lot more. Yeah. It keeps going up. Yeah. There's a lot more because the per- the people have to submit to a DNA thing and they have to realize that they're a part of this. And it's f- uh, fascinating and really sick. It, and honestly, you know, there are some other things that w- were said to me that I I don't know if it's public, so I'm not going to say anything, but let's just say it's way more corrupt <laughs> than, yeah, of than what it is. And, you know, I, I, you know, Shannon, I don't know. I watched this and it just, it left me feeling like I needed a shower. Yeah. So before this episode, I watched it again and I realized because thank God I log my movies on Letterboxd. <laughs> Uh, because I realized by logging the movie that I had watched it before, because I'm watching it and I'm like, this is all really familiar. And I had watched it before. And I had this 
really weird sense that I had watched a series on it, like as if this documentary had been a series because they really do pack in, you know, Lucy really packs in a lot of information into this. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think it's a very solid documentary and definitely worth a watch. And, you know, there are several cases that if you want to go down a rabbit hole of, of male doctors who have done this before, there's, there's a, I think Canadian or Britain, I can't, I can't remember. There's a guy who, you know, they've, they've gotten to a point where there's like 600 children. Uh, I think his name is Bertold Weisner. He was an Austrian Jewish physiologist. Sorry, I got the country wrong. Uh, who, you know, had a lot of other accomplishments, but his, <laughs> his human fertility contribution is that he was the biological father of upwards to 600 offspring by anonymously donating sperm. Uh, Anonymously. That was used by his wife, who was an obstetrician, to perform artificial insemination. So that's a different case. But like what I'm saying is this guy isn't the only guy or this isn't the only malignant narcissist on the planet that's done this. So there's there's different cases like this. And I just think this is a great one to come to the forefront and then you can go you can do a little bit of a deep deep dive dive. yeah yeah and i'm I'm, i have a a question after i make this statement a question for you you know obviously we're talking about a narcissist without even having that be a question yeah we also know that he had uh, a trauma that happened when he was younger and he had killed and run over a four-year-old child and Apparently, as the story goes, is he became incredibly religious, which people do after they've done something horrific, uh, oftentimes, not always. And so he started to reframe his insemination as acts of service. Mm-hmm. And um, he really led this entire, he, he, he acted like a prophet, essentially, and he led this entire movement as this religious grandiosity. And later in the documentary, they even talk about the concept of like, quiverful which is you know basically let's have as many caucasian babies with blonde hair and blue eyes that we can to take over all humanity and be really powerful and you know godly and all of that so Mm -hmm. my question to you is from your perspective as someone who is rooted in psychodynamic work and thinking about what he'd been through and what we know of donald klein how would you break this down psychologically. Well, one of the things I made note of when I was watching this is of course that he's a malignant narcissist with sadistic tendencies. So that's a lot of times, of course, what we see in religious based, uh, when people distort religion for their agenda, which is of course what he was doing. I kind of looked at it like it was the power, you know, wanting to assert power that really comes from that place of helplessness, powerlessness, and shame that he had over what happened. But I also think that, you know, this, this documentary doesn't go into it. Cause honestly, like I said, they cover a lot and they go and, and Lucy goes way deep into the actual current story of finding all of these people and really the, the victims of this and talking to them. And that's the concentration of this. But for me, if you were to go into his history or his past, I imagine there's like some nihilistic white supremacy, maybe a white supremacy, Mm -hmm. probably, probably a a racist background from his family, uh, probably trauma, probably other things because I understand that there's a narrative that he asserted that this is why I did what I did. Right. 
I don't, I, when a narcissist asserts a narrative, you gotta, you gotta question that. <laughs> so, so my, my interest would be more along the lines of, okay, he's going to assert that. And then psychodynamically, I'm like, okay, what does that narrative serve to explain in his youth? Because that narrative is like the, the cover. That's the narrative that is palatable to him that he believes will give us sympathy for his struggle. But that's one. Well, he played like a victim yeah. all the way through the end. And, and as they um, do, one of the things that, that they focus and emphasize on in this documentary is once the, the adult children start to come out with this story publicly, what a fucking sociopathic gaslighting piece of shit calling yeah, the one daughter, right? He's like, you need to understand that this is really going to hurt me. Yeah. You need to stop talking to the press because this will end my marriage is what he yeah. says. And, and then he, again, reframes it as I was doing the right thing. These were acts of service. These women wanted to get pregnant. I felt like I was helping them because it wasn't working. Yeah, I, he was I have spreading his sperm. perfect seed. <laughs> I have magic sperm, so it's going right. to work with mine. Here's the here's the bigger issue too, because we're going to get into sort of what happened with the sentencing and stuff, and I'm going to kind of lead us in there because one of the pieces that's more disturbing, I think, to anyone who's been assaulted, especially, or any female who's ever gone to the gynecologist, which is hopefully all of us, most of us, those of us who have the ability to get good medical care, is that he would ejaculate in his office and then take that ejaculation in the uh, denouement of his pleasure and walk into an office and then inseminate. And so one of the things that they did to try and change the law which my understanding is a lot of laws changed because of this case in like 2018, 2019, is that they, they wanted that to be rape because there was a sexual agenda. He was in a sexual pleasure zone In a professional space with patients. When he was inseminating. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that didn't work at the time. No, and um, so... Do you want to move into just like, okay, yeah, so we, you know, the documentary ends up discussing how this whole trial piece works and what, what does he actually, what does his quote unquote crime fall under? Is it even criminal? Now, all of us women are going, fuck you. Yes, but it is. is. But they had a really fucking hard time even making it a criminal offense. Unbelievable. They basically said we cannot we cannot um, file this as an assault, right? And the daughter says, "Well, let me ask you a question. If I spit in your face, is that an assault?" And he said, "Yes." He goes, "She's like, but he can like spit in my vagina and impregnate me or impregnate my mother, and that is not considered assault." So again, when people think that the judicial system favors battered women and women in general because we are the weaker sex, according to I don't know all misogyny. Let's take a look at the fact that they even had to sit back and wonder whether this was an offense at all. The one of the lawyers kind of comes off kind of rough in this, but I actually understood where he was coming from because a lawyer is going to say, I'm 
just telling you what the law reflects. Yes. And I realize that's not a great answer and that you don't like it and it's not necessarily morally or ethically true, but I've got to look at what I can prosecute. And the only thing you could pr- fucking prosecute was misconduct or fertility fraud. Like, what? Huh? <laughs> so you can walk around and you can inseminate anybody you want against your will and receive no sentencing time at all. But if you get raped and do not want to keep the child, you and your doctor can go to prison in some states. I just want to make that clear. Yeah, I think it's an important clarity we have now in 2022. So you can blow a load in anyone and and get them pregnant, and that is not an offense. But if that woman decides to not have that child, that's an offense. So in 2017... He pleaded guilty to obstruction of justice and he inseminated patients with his own semen without their consent or knowledge. He pleads guilty. He was 79 years old at the time of his conviction. This is what he receives, folks, a one year suspended sentence, a $500 fine and ultimately served no prison time. I think he had to surrender his medical license. At 79, I would hope you would anyway. Yeah, for sure. He got to work his entire life. Yes. And then even when the truth came out, he was a free man. Right. Let's talk about maybe for a moment, some of the psychological damage Mm -hmm. to people when they believe their identity is one thing. You know, we talked about this with Ted Bundy Mm -hmm. and where, and I'm not saying these people are all going to become sociopaths, but, but it does possible damage someone psychologically to think that person is your parent or whatever. And then you find out if there was lingering sociopathy or psychopathy within any of these individuals, that could have been a trigger to to start something. But most of them were definitely of age. They weren't kids. They were, but the shock, he was much older, but yeah. And this documentary uh, concentrates on that. Like I said, it's a very, it's a very human story. They concentrate on the humans that were psychologically affected by it. So they have a lot of interviews with a lot of the offspring. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it registers because there are lots of familial stories that they give a few minutes to, uh, several of them of how they, you know, how the individual found out and then how that affected their father. Who just realized. And then then the man who thought he was the father this whole time. That's right. It's really um, quite astounding that this man was able to just walk out of court, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, And then was able to even be looked at as a victim in court because he was an elder and, you know, sad looking. And, you know, we needed to take care of him. He was fragile. Yeah, it's such a legal failure. Really, I mean, it's just a like with Killer Sally last week, and in the different things that that we've brought to the table this month for whatever reason. I think maybe because you know women's rights are under attack, and we've all been feeling that cultural trauma this year, uh, among other traumas that we're all dealing with and recovering from over the last few years. I just feel like maybe, you know, these documentaries and then our, our choosing to talk about them probably has something to do with that idea of how 
we feel marginalized and failed. And so it's just, that's an extra layer of this particular thing that's really disgusting is that he was creating an Aryan race, basically. A lot of people argued, was this a movement of eugenics? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Why? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it was. It's it's pretty obvious that it was because Quiverful is about that. It's about creating an Anglican race, mm-hmm. a Christian. It's a Christian theological position, and I I don't have anything against Christianity, but it's extremism. It's a, it's a position that sees large families as a blessing from God, and so it encourages pro, pro, procreation. You know, abstaining from birth control, uh, natural family uh, sterilization. You know, like all the things. Like it's the it's uh yeah not a good not a good look honestly yeah i hope that lucy goes on to do other things she is she she is um working on something right now and right. and once uh that comes out i'll be really excited to talk about that it's a case that most people are probably pretty familiar with and Great. i'm excited She's a wonderful human. I think she does excellent work and she has a great sense of humor about the work she does because it's tough work. She has documentaries some, are, are tough work and they are very underpaying. Yeah. And she laughed about that quite a bit, but also just um, the type of documentaries she does are, are dark and heavy and um, right. So you get in there and then you're yeah. in there for a year and it's hard to probably get out of that mindset. A ton of, you got to crawl yourself out of that psychological hole with stuff like that. Maybe we can lure her on the show. Yes, I hope so. I did want to say also that there's been some recent sort of legislation and like patient victories around this stuff. Of course, these kinds of cases have rocked the legal institutions and made these kinds of things aware so that advocates, People who are more prone to advocacy in the legal realm will, of course, latch on to stuff like this and try to get try to get changes made. So, despite the shocking nature of, I'm I'm reading uh, an article off of a website called AboveTheLaw.com. Just a portion of it. Despite the shocking nature of illicit inseminations coming to light over the past decade, because again, like, ugh, there's so many, it's gross. Mm-hmm. It's only in the past few months, uh, in, meaning 2022, and this was, you know, kind of back in March, May, this article, that there are some real movement in the U.S. on the accountability front. So in a first-of-its-kind jury award on March 30th, 2022, a Vermont jury awarded fertility fraud victims, that's still what they call it, $5.25 million, 250000 in compensatory damages, $5 million in punitive damages. So not to be outdone and proving the Vermont case not to be an outlier, two weeks later there was a Colorado jury that awarded plaintiffs $8.75 million on their claims against Colorado doctor who used his own sperm on unknowing patients. So like this guy is not the only, like it's happening all over. The, mm-hmm. It's all coming to light. This is mm-hmm. like this gross thing that's been happening for a while. So what they're doing obviously is they're saying, okay, you know, fuck you criminal court. We're going to do the civil stuff, which is where they award all this money probably. And yeah. we're going to, you know, give them at least some, some kind of compensation. compensation. That is yeah. how it They're often not even works. pain and suffering. Come on. Ah, yeah, for real. 
So there's also stuff in the fertility fraud legislation where a number of states, including Indiana, Texas, and most recently Kentucky, there's these uh, new laws and a lot of new advocacy around the severe gaps and sort of like the frustrations. And one of the things is that there's these laws that are effective that are um, making it crystal clear that this type of behavior for medical professionals will face legal consequences. So like what we were talking about within this case is they weren't even sure if it was illegal. Right. That's how vague it was. So that's one of the things that if you are an advocate in this area or something about this sparks an interest for you to have this be part of your advocacy is that that's the first piece is that they're trying to construct laws and make sure that laws are worded to make this type of behavior crystal clear that it's uh, excellent illegal so there's that very good case law is a good thing yes right on I know that we did not dive into the narcissism with this I, I think it's quite clear today <laughs> but I I am going to be doing a, we all we do a lot of stuff on narcissism on our patreon and then of course we do tons of it in the real show too the real show the uh free show here <laughs> on your streaming podcast yes, we server we do a ton of it so uh, we didn't feel the need to go down that particular rabbit hole today because it's so obvious with this guy and so you tell us what did you see in him that was narcissistic you tell us. You educate us because by now right. you've heard us say it a million times. Yep. Why don't you tell us? So thanks so much for listening to the show today. And we will talk to you next time. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.